Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel, and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show. And welcome to all the listeners from all over the world. And it was really great that so many people did listen to last week's show, which was a free on-air corner freedom healing, which you can pick up in archives anytime. And I've had a lot of emails and only a few blogs, but a lot of emails. But look, it's a really, really great way to shift your stuff and get freedom and find what's deep within you that's been blocking you from reaching the desires that you want to create. So... Anyway, on to today's show, and it's an absolutely beautiful day in Melbourne, Uh, Melbourne, Australia, for anybody who's listening from overseas, we're in autumn at the moment, going into winter, and we've been really blessed with beautiful weather. The last couple of weeks have been colder, but today it's 22 degrees, it's just glorious, so this might be the end of it. But today's show is a really important show, it's a narcissistic central show, and it's about trauma bonding. And it's about this show, we're going to be having, I'm going to be talking about trauma bonding because it really does seem insane that we're being treated poorly, but we're still wanting to bond with a person and believe that we love them and need them in our life. Why does this happen? Because it doesn't seem to make sense. And this is a very, very big part of being in a relationship with an NPD, a narcissistic personality disordered person. And it can also be a very big part of being in a relationship with somebody who's got narcissistic traits or a toxic relationship that isn't working for you. So we're going to learn how this happens, how it does affect you, how it attaches you, and what you need to do to release yourself from the insidious and life-destroying to an attachment to a narcissistic individual. So we all know, and it's a very, very common thing, that when you're involved with a narcissistic individual, it feels like it's so right, it feels like you're intensely in love, and it feels like this is exactly how it's meant to be and what the relationship is meant to be. And we hear this story time and time again. I met this person, I had a deep attachment, We seem to have all the same values. We seem to have all the same beliefs in life. We had all these things in common. It just seemed like, hallelujah, this is the person finally. That is my soulmate. This is the person I'm meant to be with for the rest of my life. But then things go horribly, horribly wrong. And what tends to happen is we hang on to that ideal. We hang on to that belief. And we see parts of it and we continue to see parts of it. And when we look at this person in the world, there's still so many things that we admire about this person that we would like to conjoin with them with and we'd like to believe in them. 
you know, they may, may be very capable, they may be very intelligent, they may be very good at creating lifestyle, they may have the same dreams and visions it seems that what you have, but yet there's this abusive element and a very, very traumatic element in the relationship which logically for anybody standing outside the relationship, they'll be saying to you, what are you doing? You know, this is crazy. You're getting ripped to shreds. You're a mess. You're not experiencing feeling fulfilled and bigger and better as a result of being in a relationship. You're being really diminished in this relationship. But yet, you may feel like you want to hang on. You don't want to let go. You want to do everything and anything you can to make this relationship work. So we're going to break this down and have a look at this and have a look at the reasons that even though you know it's not good for you, you feel like you want to hang on and you can't get out of the relationship. So the first aspect that we're going to talk about is Stockholm syndrome. Now this is a very, very serious aspect of narcissistic relationships and it's really highly applicable to NPD relationships and it's when some really, really traumatic things can happen within your relationship. So it's been really widely documented. A lot of people would understand what Stockholm Syndrome is and it's really based on the theory of when um, a hostage is taken by a captor and then the hostage becomes completely reliant on that captor for their life. And what can happen is a very, very strange and crazy attachment can happen. And there's actually been documented evidence about cap, uh, hostages falling in love with their captors after they're released from the Stockholm um, Syndrome complex that they've been suffering. Now... This is a really, really big thing in a narcissistic relationship and generally it'll come about within NPD relationships that the victim feels like they cannot escape the relationship. Now, this can be for a couple of reasons and if within when we're talking about an NPD relationship, it may be really literal that the narcissist is actually totally threatened that if you leave or try to leave, that he, will, he or she will destroy your life. Now, generally, this happens more with male narcissists. certainly can happen with female narcissists as well. So what can happen there is that the person believes that because their belongings, their life, their security, even their safety, their well-being, the right to live, the right to continue on in their life has all been enmeshed with the narcissist. So there might be a very real fear that I can't leave. Now, this is one of the criteria that's necessary with Stockholm Syndrome. Now, Stockholm Syndrome and that belief that I can't leave can also be wrapped up in the glorious dream of what I wished and believed the relationship should be. I can't leave because I'm going to forfeit that. I'm going to lose that dream. I may not be able to ever recreate that dream. I may not, never have the opportunity of that dream again. And I can't leave. I cannot leave this relationship. So immediately what that brings in is the captor psychology. I'm stuck in here. So now what happens with this is once somebody believes that they're stuck in there, well then what they're saying is that I have to, I have to put up with this behavior. I know that there's a high threat of malicious behavior. I know there's a high threat of damaging and mind-twisting and mind-bending behavior. I have to stay in this relationship. So then what happens is 
the the you as the person that is in a relationship with a narcissist, your well being becomes completely dependent on how the narcissist is going to be treating you on a daily basis. So you're either going to be in high levels of trauma or you're going to be in high levels of relief. Now what happens in those high levels of relief is that the relief is so big and it will generally come when the narcissistic individual is being loving and beautiful and and, and, and or okay and not putting the trauma on you that you have this feeling, this perverse feeling of, oh my gosh, maybe this time it's going to be sorted. Maybe this time it's going to be okay. Maybe this time it's going to be safe. Now the problem is if you're dealing with a narcissistic individual, you know, even if they're remorseful, even if they're sorry, even if they appear to be trying, even if, you know, even if it's not an MPD individual and it's somebody with narcissistic traits where they're happy and it's flowing and you know, I love you and you're the love of my life and I'm blissing out on the love and all of those sorts of feelings. The problem is people with narcissistic characteristics are very all or nothing. They're completely black and white. So they're either going to be fabulous or they're going to be disastrous. There's nothing in the middle. And the problem with that is, is if things aren't fantastic and if they're not getting what they want or they're not feeling secure within themselves or they're not feeling self-contained and happy within themselves, as soon as things get mediocre, as soon as things get not fabulous, what's going to happen is they're going to swing into this is disastrous, this isn't working for me, I'm not getting what I want, then the stories are created which is all the projection of the bad feelings on an inner level and not being able to sustain self on a normal, okay, flowing, or I'm at ease level, level, and it's going to be you're to blame, you're to fault, you don't love me, you don't care about me, you're using me, you're whatever, whatever it's going to be, whatever the narcissist projects at you that is the narcissist's bugbear with you is going to come roaring out again. So what happens is the relief is only going to be momentary, momentarily, but the relief is going to feel powerful when the relief's there. It's going to feel like, oh my goodness, I'm okay. So if we were to have a look at a hostage and a captor at a really high-level, dangerous level, what happens with the, the hostage and the captor is the captor says to the hostage, I'm not going to shoot you today. You're safe today. You're allowed to live today. And the captor has this incredible surge of relief that they're going to be safe for that day. Now, this is what's happening in narcissistic relationships continuously. So what, and what happens is in narcissistic relationships, when Stockholm uh, Syndrome is at play, what's happening is your focus on your outside world and just flowing and being and being able to connect with it gets less and less and less and less and less. And what happens is that you have more and more and more focus on the narcissist and it becomes hypervigilant. It becomes, are you going to pull the trigger today? That's what it becomes. So when you get the relief and it feels really, really real, you can relax for a moment and then when you start to feel that the narcissist isn't on this big high of being delightful, um, you know that something is coming up. 
So you start looking for that trigger to be pulled and you can't help doing that. So you're constantly living in this flux of terror, relief, terror, relief, terror, relief. Now, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. But what happens is in the feelings of relief, you may fall into this is a delightful partner, this is what is normal, this is what is healthy, this is what can work for me, this is safe, he or she gets it, I understand this. And it feels like deep love at those times, it feels like deep, deep attachment. So you're coming out of this deep love attachment and it is a feeling that's very intense because the relief is so intense, that's what you need to understand. It's the intensity of the relief that makes it feel so much like love. But then, of course, you're into terror and torment again when that's not happening. And that'll either be the anxiety of feeling that a bomb's about to go off. And what happens then is trying to overcompensate for that. You know, you may do a few different things. Some people, what they may do is try and love and give more and try and... It's almost like a child that's being abused by a parent who's trying to win approval so the parent's not going to belt them. Or it could be that you just pull back more and you try and look after yourself more and you're trying to stay safe more. But it doesn't matter which way you're trying to do it because what's going to happen is the inevitable explosion when the narcissist is not in his all or nothing. When he starts coming into the middle, the all has got to go to nothing because a narcissist cannot just be in one state or the other. So let's have a look at trauma bonding number two, which is cognitive dissonance. And this is a really, really interesting thing, and there's lots of discussions on the internet about cognitive dissonance. And what happens with cognitive dissonance is we have to sell ourselves out. We have to make peace. In effect, what it really means is we have to lie to ourselves because there's no other way to really deal with it. And what happens with that is Cognitive dissonance, in a normal, healthier type of situation of two not as difficult opposing views, we can make peace. So an example would be that you wanted to stay in for the night, you wanted to have a bath and you wanted to relax and you had some girlfriends ring you up and say, you know, we haven't got together for two months, this is the only night we can do it, Um, we'd love you to come. So you might be in really two minds. You might think, well, look, I'd love to go and join them and I'd like to hang out. I'd love to really, um, you know, be part of the group. But I really wanted to honor myself. I wanted a quiet night in. So what you've really got to do is come to peace. You have to have the justifications, the reasons as to why one choice is more appropriate than the other. So... You could say to yourself, if you chose to go to your girlfriend, look, I can honor myself another night. I'm a bit tired, but, you know, I'd love to catch up. That's cool. I'll get back to my bath night another night. You're going to be at peace. Or you could say, look, they're really good friends. Nobody's really going to mind. I am going to honor myself. And I'll just tell them, next time around, or I'll go and see them separately. And then you're at peace. You've come to that conclusion, and you've rested with it. Now, what happens in a narcissistic relationship is, you're really struggling with this because there's a part of you that knows you need to get out. Now, that can be because of the extreme behavior, the abuse, the things that have happened that are just unthinkable. You know you need to get out. But there's a part of you that's saying, no, I need to make this work. Now, that first opposing view, which is, I've been abused. There is unthinkable 
unacceptable behaviour that has happened to me that is very damaging. That's a pretty big knowing. You know that. Okay, so if you're going to go the other way, if you're going to go into, all right, well, I have to stay and I have to make this work, you've got to make up a whole heap of excuses. You've got to sell out that other truth and you've got to keep focusing on settling this cognitive dissonance because if we actually have cognitive dissonance with anything we have a whole heap of anxiety we have a whole heap of guilt am I making the wrong decision we have procrastination we have all sorts of stuff going on we have to close the gap we have to make peace with the decision we make we're obviously staying so we've got to make peace with it so what we come up with is excuses about that why we're selling ourselves out, why we're staying with somebody who we know is extremely capable of high-level abuse and doing unthinkable, unreasonable things to us. So we might come up with something like, I know she loves me and she's doing her best, it's just she's had a horrible childhood. Or we might come up with, I know this relationship is meant to be and I'm going to stay and see it through no matter what because it feels so intense, so powerful, I'm going to do that. Or we could still say, he really is a great guy, it's me with all the problems and I know I make him like this. Now that's really worth investigating because definitely if you're playing out toxic narcissistic relationships, absolutely you've got stuff to heal. There is no two ways about it. However, in no shape or form does that excuse inappropriate, over-the-top, abusive, malicious, damaging behaviour. It does not in no shape or form. And you need to know that. Okay, or we could say, if I love him enough, I know I can heal him, or I'm the only person that understands her or him, so I can't leave. It's my duty to say, I love this person with everything I have. So that's the sellout. That's the making excuses that we can make. Now, when cognitive dissonance is really, really extreme, we don't want to look at the truth. We don't want to look at the facts. We actually want to make the excuses as to why we have to stay in the relationship. And the classic cognitive dissonance uh, excuse example of trying to close that gap is, well, I just love him. I just love him. I love him. As if that means I'm meant to stay. No matter what happens to me, I'm meant to stay. So, so these justifications are very powerful and they seem very, very real to the victim and they serve to create even greater feelings of attachment, devotion and love to an abuser. It's really important to have a look at that part of it. The next one, which I think is really big, it's been a very, very big one for me, there's no doubt about it, is repetitive compulsion disorder. And repetitive compulsion disorder is a term I came up with. I've written about it in a lot of my e-books. And what it really, really means is, is that you're in a state of unsafety, you're in a state of flux, and you're in a state of not knowing what it's going to be one day to the next. So it's a little bit like... I don't know what chocolate I'm going to unwrap out of this box. I really don't know. Now, to understand this, and I've explained it a few times, I'll explain it again for first-time listeners, repetitive compulsion disorder, they actually did experiments on the addictive process of this. And what happens is, is let's say you had a lab rat and he's in a cage and he understands that to push a button in his cage three times every day, he gets pellets, he gets fed. 
So he's fine with that. He does that every day. Now, the next step might be changed to five pushes. So he sort of works that out. That's okay. I can live with that. And then for a few days, he's got five pushes and he gets his pellets. He's cool. Now, what happens if it's changed to random? That button's random. It could be one push, ten pushes, six pushes, eight pushes, constantly, all the time. Now, what happens is the rat will actually go into a frenzy. Even when he's got the pellets out and they're on the ground, he will just keep pushing and pushing and pushing that button and he'll go into a frenzy. Now, the reason is because he's unsafe. His predictability for his survival need is all up in the air and all over the place. In love, what happens when you're in a relationship with a narcissist or an unaccountable person or a person who projects or a person that displays narcissistic characteristics, you don't have normal adult rationality going. You don't know. So the basic safety needs of trust, honesty, integrity, which are essential for a lot of relationships. Now, without those, when you don't know what you can trust, you don't know what's up, what's down, somebody gave their word yesterday, it's out the window, it's out the window today. So all of these foundations that you need and want to have, and they are basic relationship survival needs, they're gone. So what happens is you get hooked to the button, you get hooked to the narcissist, you get hooked into fighting to try and get that button back to a safe number of pushes. So what's going to happen in that is your focus comes off you, your life, your well-being, your self-esteem, and it's fully thrown out the window trying to get safety and predictability out of a person that is absolutely refusing to grant it or even beat it because they don't have the resources to be it. So this is what's happening when somebody that's twisting the facts, bringing in on-topical information that is not even about the topic that you're trying to get sensibility about, who is projecting, creating allies, lying, creating smear campaigns, doing all sorts of twists and turns and things that are not basic human adult integrity. And they're going to throw you into a panic and into a spin. And this has been a huge issue in my life that's taken a lot of work and it's something that I still work on, is it's not about holding this person responsible for your safety and your integrity and your normality. That's your job. Now, if they clearly are not capable of doing that or have no desire to do that or want to twist in facts, you know, for, for their own um, for their own arguments, justifications to throw you off balance, they're all the narcissistic traits, absolutely. And if you were to look up the narcissistic traits of lack of accountability and lack of remaining topical and all those sorts of things, you will see that they are really big narcissistic traits. So, and they bend your mind if you're trying to get sensibility and normality out of that, you know. And it's also true, you know, when somebody tells you, you know, what you're thinking, how you're acting, um, that that's, you know, and you're trying to state who you are and they'll have none of it because it doesn't fit their story. It doesn't fit their justification for how they behave. So all of this means that... If you're trying to fight for that safety and that decency and that integrity, you're going to get severely hooked. You're going to get addicted to trying to get it. 
And then, of course, you end up looking like the crazy person. And you are the crazy person because you're trying to get something that doesn't exist from that person that you can't have. So it's like the rat. If that button stays on random, he doesn't matter how many times he pushes it, he is not going to get it to behave normally. It's not going to happen. So if you're dealing with a random individual who lacks integrity and basic fundamental maturity and decency, forget it. doesn't matter how many times you push that button. All you are going to do is send yourself insane. Now, what happens to those rats in those cages? They actually end up foregoing their need to eat and have water, and they actually kill themselves. Now, that's quite scary when you think about it because that is the heightened level of addiction, relationship addiction, codependency, completely losing self. You are only going to destroy yourself by trying to hang on to get decency. So you have to pull away. You have to break away from that because it's going to send you absolutely insane. Now, that again can feel like that compulsion, that addiction, that insanity is giving you such a big attachment to that person. This person affects me, hurts me, twists my mind so much because I love him or her so much. No, it's not. It's repetitive compulsion disorder. It's addictive and that's what's happening to you. It absolutely is. So the other aspect that's very like um, Stockholm Syndrome is repetitive compulsion disorder. You know, if the button all of a sudden goes to normal, the rat settles down, goes back to eating and drinking and behaving normally and feels safe again. It's the same when you're dealing with a narcissistic individual that you might have these insane conversations that are just mind-twisting, mind-bending, non-topical, full of projections, allies, excuses, um, all the rest of it. And then all of a sudden you get an understanding, you get like some sensibility, you get an apology, you get normality and your buttons come back to normal until the next time when it goes on random again. So you can get what I'm saying about that. So you've got that intense relief that you have with Stockholm Syndrome and then of course you have the trauma again when it all goes back to random. So trauma bonding number four is about peptide addiction and peptide addiction is massive and it really goes across the broad spectrum of a whole lot of it. And what happens is, and this is the physiological thing that happens within all of us, all of us are addictive creatures in one shape or form. And how that actually works is when we have thoughts in our brain neuron, we fire off electrical signals which goes through our hypothalamus, which is a chemical manufacturing part of our brain, which creates these amino acid chains which are called peptides. Now what happens is these peptides go down into our bodies, they get absorbed by our cells, they become neuropeptides. Now, they're, they're chemicals, they're hormones. Now, what happens is our body gets used to certain types of peptides and actually gets hooked on them. And good or bad, it makes no difference. It's actually how the, the quantities of them. So if you were to think of like a heroin addict you know, or any addict, you know, the bigger the amount that they're actually getting into their body, the more they're getting addicted to something. And then what happens is they actually get numbed out to that amount and they need more and more and more and more of that chemical to actually be sustained, you know, their the, the chemical need, their chemical um, urge or dependency on that, their withdrawal needs more and more and more. 
Now, what happens is when we're with a narcissistic individual, we're getting a huge rush of the peptides. We're getting the relief, you know, which feels like love, and we're getting the trauma, and the trauma is big. It's, it's very, very, very big. Now, we're actually getting hooked on those trauma-victimized peptides. The unfairness, the injustices, the pain, the trauma, the uh, you know the, the traumatic um, events when we're getting lined up, you know all the things that go with the narcissist, you know trying to prove our integrity with smear campaigns, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. They're massive, big rushes because they're all survival programs and they're all massive amounts of trauma. Now we actually get hooked on that. So then what happens is that when the narcissist, you know, when you try to break free or, you know, the relationship explodes and it ends, that, that you're actually addicted. You're addicted to the pain. You're addicted to the trauma. And, I mean, this is what I love about quantum freedom healing. And, you know, and this is what is in the narcissistic abuse recovery program. This is what I do one-on-one with people um, that I work with. And, and the great thing about quantum freedom healing for me as the um, creator of it, you know, I, I have a self-healing mentality for myself, which is absolutely fantastic. You know, so I know that with certain individuals in my life, when I've been hooked into repetitive compulsion disorders and trying to get decencies and then ended up being addicted, um, peptide addicted throughout that, because I'm absolutely 100% a naturally very addictive individual. And how to know that you're a cellularly addictive individual is you feel feelings intensely. If you feel emotions intensely, you are very, very naturally <clears throat> addictive. So it's about breaking those addictive cycles. So what it is, it's about really recognizing it's an addiction. It's about releasing those addictions out of your body so that you're not living these illusions that are actually disintegrating your life. The illusion, I love this person, I need this person, I have to have this person in life. You know, recognizing... So much of it is physiological addiction. That's really, really what's going on. So peptide addiction, because we think, you know, I hear from people all the time when they say to me, he treats me so badly or she's done this and this and this for me. Why do I still love this person? Why do I still want this person? Why do I still want to work it out with this person? It doesn't make sense. You know, when you start talking like that, you're addicted. This is addiction speaking. This is not the reality. It's not about love. It's about addiction. So when you realize that, and I remember when I first found this information, it was just a massive revelation for me. It was like that explains it to me because it didn't make sense. So it's about healing the addiction. It's about reclaiming your true self, letting go of the addiction out of your body. And as I say all the time, this is why I don't like head therapy, because it doesn't go deep enough. You know, you want to look at quantum freedom healing. You want to look at the narcissistic abuse recovery program, or you want to go see a good kinesiologist. But if you're dealing with narcissistic abuse, you want to make sure that you're going to somebody who understands narcissistic abuse who's not just treating this as normal trauma. So you want somebody who really specializes in that area that understands what you're going through. 
because this is a huge addiction. This is a massive addiction. There's no bigger addiction than the illusion of love and security and the rest of my life and how am I going to live without this person? It's massive. Okay, so trauma bonding number five is about infantile regression. And infantile regression is when we have security fears, we go back into very, very deep DNA programs. And I like to talk about them at a past life level. And they also match infantile regression level. And that's what I'm going to focus on today. So the infantile regression level is when you're a kid, and you thought that you were going to not have love or you were not going to have fed or you might have got a hit. Like if you felt that security was threatened on any level, you became completely helpless, completely helpless. And this is exactly what happens in times of trauma with a narcissist, much more significantly with women. Much more. You have a hunter-gatherers. That's in their DNA. They've got much more of a natural survival capacity, adult men do, than what they have that DNA program a lot more strongly than what women do. Okay, what will definitely happen with boys in infantile regression is that they'll go more into bluster, project, attack. I'll play out. Women will go into helplessness. You know, men can do it too sometimes. But it's about helplessness and then what happens when you're in helplessness is you're going to try to cling to the closest thing or person that can provide you with the surviving this annihilation that you're feeling on an infantile level of complete helplessness and terror so that means the clinging aspect so what will happen is if you're going into infantile regression this is when you're going to accept all the blame this is when you're going to cry. This is when you're going to crumple. This is when you're going to go into a fetal position. This is when you're going to try to get some sense of support or normality or decency or you're going to beg and plead. You're going to offer anything you can to stop the trauma. And it's a horrible place to be in when you go into infantile regression because you feel completely helpless. You feel completely powerless. And what you're going to do in that place is you're going to absolutely withdraw all of your rights. You're going to have no rights in that place and you're going to numb out everything about honouring yourself in trying to get your need for survival met. Now what can happen with this in a narcissistic relationship, you really have surrendered your soul, you've surrendered your needs. You've handed them to the narcissist and idolised them psychologically is your God. So they have the ultimate power to dictate your fate. You've lost all your self-esteem and all your self-resources. And that's really, really frightening. So what happens if the narcissist allows you to exist again or actually doesn't abandon you or stays or does whatever you feel you need in that survival right there, right then, then idolization becomes a pathological survival belief this person is the creator of my world. And that is the hugest illusion of love addiction that you could ever imagine. So that's a really, really scary part of it. So the thing that too that I want to bring into this is the belief, and this can be a very, very powerful one, again, especially for women, is I need him to love me. 
I need him to care for me. I need him to want me. And what this can actually really do is keep you chained to an abuser, whether or not they're in your life. And this is a very, very serious thing for women. And again, I will state, please don't think I'm just stating the woman's case because men can play this true. But the reality is, on an emotional level, women can do the most helpless, hooked-up stuff. Men aren't as inclined to do it as women. Women do it. So there can be, you know, even in, and this is a big, as I said, it's a big thing for single women, that when they've broken up with an abuser and when they know that they've been terrorised and they've been really, really hurt, what will happen then is a belief that will kick in, I need him to love me, I need him to want me, I need him to care about me, I want him to fix this, I want him to love me, I need him to love me. And that can hook her into going back into all sorts of cognitive dissonance making up all sorts of excuses and things in her mind about downplaying what's happened or how she's been treated, making excuses for it to try and fulfill that need for him to love her, want her, care about her. Now, again, this is why I love deep energetic healing because when you clear all that stuff, that urge, and it is an infantile urge, I need you to love me, I need you to want me, I need you to value me, I need you to believe in me. All of that stuff is very, very infantile regression. And when you can let go of that, when you can release that and heal that and know that, you know, as a single person and, you know, and, you know, at this point in my life I'm single too. You know, that's part of my journey and, and my experience in love and creation of my life is I've decided to be single again at this point in my life. Now, in that place in your life, this is not about going back to what has been deeply, deeply unhealthy and abusive and not right for you. This is not about making excuses for it because you need him to love you. Okay, it's actually, and once you heal this and you release this, it's not important that he loves you. You know, on soul level, on higher self level, everybody loves everybody. There actually is only love. There is only God connection. There's only lessons. There's only growth. There's only healing. That's what this is all about. So there's universal love. But your choice at a human level of love is, first of all, loving yourself. And when you love and you care for yourself and you're present for yourself, well, then you're able to flow forward into that and create more of that and not go back into the same patterns and the pain that isn't serving you. This is about going forwards. It's about going, it's not about going backwards. And when you're going forwards and you have that self-love and you have that self-belief, well then it's about attracting and being with people that also love themselves enough that they're going to be able to be in a love relationship and not actually make other people susceptible for and projecting their stuff. And the same goes for you as well. It's about being responsible for your own journey of love. So you don't need a particular person to love you, need you, want you back. It's not about that. It's about I love and I need and I want myself. And then when you do that, you flow forward, you create and you get it right. So I hope today's show has really, really helped. I did do a blog on it and it had a massive amount of responses, you know, because a lot of people really, really did relate to it. 
and got a deeper understanding about what's going on with them and why they're feeling so broken and empty and they can't move on or they can't get out or they can't feel well again. So much of it is about addiction. So it's about really breaking it down and then going, okay, how can I cellularly work on my body where it's really going on to get to the deepest part of this addiction so I can be free from this addiction? That's really the biggest thing about it. And also about getting very, very clear about what love is. Love is integrity. It's honesty. It's safety. It's decency. It's about two people that can actually work together and trust each other and know that they can trust each other. You know, you don't have that in narcissistic relationships. You're absolutely that rat in that cage pushing that button and not knowing when security or safety is actually going to be dispensed. You just don't know because there's so much of it that isn't that. So... I know that with this show, a lot of people are um, really uh, audio healers, you know, and that's why I really wanted to do this show, that it could actually be on an audio level where you could un- listen to it and play it back and listen to it quite a few times and really help it absorb through your body. But please know it is my greatest mission, absolutely, to help you heal. And if anybody, you know, out there, if you want some help with this, if you want some one-on-one help with this, or you really know you've got addiction running. If you do have addiction running with somebody you know is narcissistic, I could not recommend the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program enough because it has so many resources in there to help you shift the addiction and get your strength and your truth and your alignment back. And that's what it's all about. It's about breaking the patterns of abuse. So they're just not going to be a reality anymore. So that's it for me. And lots of love and if you'd like to send me an email or look at my website, www.melanietonyevans.com and enjoy this beautiful day and lots of love and healing to everybody. Okay, bye-bye.